Are you interested in learning skills to tackle a specific problem in your school, district, or local union? Consider applying for an OEA Empowerment Academy to receive the support you need to take action. Details at grow.oregoned.org. You're listening to OEA Grow, a member-led production of the Oregon Education Association and a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network. OEA Grow is by members for members. In Season 8, we're all in this together with Beth Aidlaw. Hi, and welcome back to Season 8 of OEA Grow Podcast where we explore the connections that support educators in their efforts towards student success. Today, I'm really excited to talk with Jaylene Crane from the District 6 Central Point School District about building connections with our students. And as we begin our conversation, Jaylene, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to the education profession? Yes, absolutely. Um, Thank you for having me. I'm super excited as well. Uh, So basically, I when I had my first child, I was a stay at home mom. um, And then for a little while, and then I kind of had from, you know, being home with my daughter was realizing as I was trying to teach her, you know, how to, how to read, how to speak, all the, all the things, um, I thought, oh, you know, I think I'm, I might want to do this as, as a profession. And so I uh, went back to work at a preschool and then I started working with kids on the spectrum. And then I went back to grad school and got my teaching degree. Oh, that sounds fantastic. So you go from from your your tiny child uh, with now, though, where are you? Would you tell us a little bit about um, your your job now? Yeah. Um, So I work at Hanby Middle School in Gold Hill, and it's actually a magnet program at Hanby Middle School. So we are called CAMP, and that is an acronym for the Comet Academy Magnet Program. And we are a kindergarten through eighth grade program. There are three classrooms. So there is a K-2 teacher, a third through fifth grade teacher, and then I am the sixth through eighth grade teacher here at camp. And we are a project-based learning program, um, obviously a multi-age classroom program. We focus on teaching 21st century skills. Um, we focus on restorative justice. And so it's, we are a program of choice within our district. And you're a magnet school. So yeah. uh, you're not a, a local um, uh, geographically located school. How, how do students come to you? So, yes, that's a really good point. So we do have quite a few students who come out of district. Um, and that is, you know, something that is handled um, with the district, you know, if they're coming from someplace else. Um, but there are uh, quite a few students who come within district as well. Uh, we have a process online. So if you go to our district's website, so District 6, um, Central Point District 6 website, there is an application process for our school. And it's kind of like... Um, 
pretty much like how a lot of the other programs of choice uh, operate here in Southern Oregon. Um, it's a lottery system. So you apply online. We actually, this, this year we did a new thing and had some informational nights. We had two family informational nights for prospective families, which was really fun because we got to really, you know, say what our program was about. We got to answer any questions for families who are applying and, and hoping to join the program. Um, and then it's a lottery. And so I think the closing for that application uh, was last month in the middle of the month. So it closes in the middle of May. And that's kind of the process for that. So once once a child is accepted, and it's purely by lottery, so it's not by grades, mm-hmm. it's, it's purely by lottery. Once a child is accepted, you, you say you teach sixth, seventh and eighth grade. Once they're accepted into sixth grade, they get to stay. Do they not? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So it's not a lottery each. Oh, but but that's another question. If they start in kindergarten with a mm-hmm. K through second grade, do they have to enter the lottery again for the third grade? No, they just continue. Once they are here, they are here and they can continue to move move up unless they oh, choose to leave that, to go somewhere that, else. That makes very much sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, You mentioned um, that you do, um, that you emphasize 21st century skills. Can you talk a little bit more about what on earth those are? Yeah. So through our projects, uh, we incorporate a lot of 21st century skills, such as um, like carpentry, carpentry, you know, collaboration is a tenant of our program. So Actually, the four C's of PBL are communication, collaboration, creativity, and I'm thinking of the last one. Oh, oh critical thinking. So well, you're um, going to have to repeat those again for me because <laughs> I love it. What? Yeah. So uh, communication, collaboration, critical thinking, and creativity. So through those four C's of project-based learning, um, which, you know, all of those four C's are are 21st century skills that that you pretty much need to know no matter what job you have in the future. And we kind of just emphasize the fact that uh, we don't know what jobs will look like when these kids are are grown up and in the workforce right mm-hmm. and those jobs could look so you know they're the it's changing all the time and technology is changing all the time but if they are well versed in being able to collaborate with each other if they're well versed in being able to critically think um if they're well versed in being able to be creative then we are confident that no matter what they choose to do they will be successful um so yeah so uh like I said, we've done projects that involved carpentry. We've done projects that involved theater. Um, and we've done projects that, I mean, really anything under the sun that you can think of. Um, oh, I did a financial literacy project last year with my kiddos that they really, really liked. It was called the game of life and they got to choose like what their career would be. And they chose like what they researched, uh, like the cost of a car and the cost of a house. And are they going to rent or would they buy? And what would a mortgage, like they learned all about those kind of real world things that maybe don't get, you know, taught or we don't have the time to teach all the time. Um, and so those are some of the 21st century skills. I, th- I think that's fantastic. It sounds great because mm-hmm. for these for these students, uh, many of them will be in jobs 
that we can't even imagine right now. Yeah. That they don't exist. And mm-hmm. you're preparing them for a future, for an uncertain future, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I love that. Um, and I, uh, your example of the financial learning brings me back to another point you made about project-based learning. Can you talk Mm -hmm. about that a little bit more? Yeah. So through project-based learning um, and really what what my team and I have kind of uh, realized, especially this year, is that project-based learning was once like very unique. And now it seems like it's which we're really happy about is um, that it's, you know, kind of happening everywhere, which is awesome. Um, And so you know, a lot of people, we all kind of learn through projects. Like if you think about, you know, there's something that we want to do at home, you know, whether it's a a gardening project or we're going to build something or, you know, we, that's how a lot of adults learn some, you know, new, new skills. And so, um, in this program, the teachers here design our projects to kind of meet the needs of, uh, things that, that, Areas that we have seen either interest from our students, um, or and or like gaps that maybe need to be filled. So, um, for instance, you know, I am already kind of forward thinking to well, we didn't, you know, we didn't have too much time to cover all the social studies things I wanted to do this school year. So next year, I'm already thinking about doing like a a mock um, trial project with my students next year to kind of fill that gap. And so those, um, we get to, we get to combine like cross-curricular combining curriculum through our projects. So we might have a project mm-hmm. that kind of combines like math skills with, you know, science and then a little bit of social studies. And so we'll have sort of these bigger projects sometimes that might take up to, you know, up to two months. Um, and students are kind of learning very authentically through these projects as they're doing, you know, like applying these real world um, concepts, these 21st century skills. Um, And so, yeah, I I think it's a really great way to learn. They become really invested in what they're learning. They remember it, they retain it. And um, yeah, and they get to apply what they're learning in the classroom to things outside of the classroom. It sounds wonderful. And, and this this whole uh, series, this season, we're working on connections. And what you're talking about is actually the connections you're allowing your students to draw between the different disciplines. So mm-hmm. it's not um, right now, folks, we're going to do math. Mm-hmm. And right now we're going to do reading. It sounds as if what you're doing with the project-based learning is combining them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. And we do have, you know, it's, it's really unique in our program. We do have those more traditional blocks of reading and math in the morning. And then our afternoons are kind of, that time is kind of carved out to be our project time. Um, But I do, I really love that like authentic um, learning of getting to, to fit math and and all of the subjects within the projects as well. So that's been, um, that's been really cool. Okay, so and that was and, and you've actually asked answered uh, one of the questions I was going to ask is how the day was structured. So it sounds like your mornings are a little bit more traditional. Yes, but you still have three grades there. You have sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Yeah, yeah, it is. 
it can be tricky for sure. <laughs> it's like a one-room schoolhouse, it seems like in the mornings, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely tricky. Um, and, you know, there again, we follow all of the regular, you know, state standards that any mm-hmm. other teacher follows. But, um, you know, I, I used to teach just second grade before I came to this program and I would um, worry about, you know, not meeting all the standards throughout the year as a, as a first and second year teacher. And then now teaching the three different grade levels, of course, I'm like, I'm for sure can't meet all of the standards. So I think that's kind of where the projects come in as well. You know, I do the best Mm -hmm. that I can with reading and math and during my mornings. And then um, I can design my projects to include a little bit more of like, you know, if I'm seeing there's a particular concept in math or, or in science or something that I, I need to incorporate, I can kind of design my next project to fill that gap. All right. So you have you have students in three different grades. How many students do you have in your classroom? So I started out the year. This year is actually really interesting because I, I and and I mean that in in a good way. I got really lucky because um, and that's something that's also pretty unique about our program. We keep the numbers pretty low, which is very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um but I started out with, I want to say that this year I started out with 23 kids. Oh my goodness. Um, I know. Yes. And I'm, and I now I have only, I think 18, I'm ending the year at 18. And that is like, I have kids who have moved out of district, who, you know, have had to move, um, just random, random things that have happened where kids have had to move, uh, which was different from last year because I think I, and I started the year last year with 25 and ended with the, with 25. I don't think I had anyone move last year. So, um, so this year has been, you know, like a little gift to have like a, you know, 18 kids is, is like a little gift. <laughs> I, I bet, I bet, uh, uh, cross fingers for next year. You'll, <laughs> you'll have to see. Um, so, so, uh, people enter your classroom at, in sixth grade and mm-hmm. they stay three years so they begin as kind of the little kids yeah and um they grow do you have um those three years um a lot of changes go on in terms of maturity um Mm -hmm. not not just education wise but but Mm -hmm. also social wise uh, Mm -hmm. all sorts of things are going on um does that cause any tension in the classroom yeah, it's it is a uh, it can be a very interesting dynamic at times because, like you pointed out, a, you know, a sixth grader is so vastly different from an eighth grader um, in certain ways. Um, and I think that the the short answer to that would be that yes, there are some times where things can get a little bit tricky, and that you know, an eighth grade student might um, have some some things going on that are different than what a sixth grade student has going on and uh, socially and, you know, maybe a sixth grade student might not un- quite understand that. Um, and I think that those, that that kind of gets back to like, as a teacher, being able to have those individual connections with my students so that I can meet their needs. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think that the uh, the multi-age classrooms, even, even in my class, I, what I observe the most is that my sixth and seventh graders keep my eighth graders younger, like 
for longer, which, you know, they're all still kids. And so I really love that about it. Like Mm -hmm. I love getting to see that, you know, my eighth graders are still out there playing kickball and all of these things. Um, because I think because they spend more time with sixth and seventh graders. And then my, you know, my sixth and seventh graders are kind of being held to uh, a little bit of a, a standard by their peers of having, you know, to be a, a little bit more accountable, making sure they're getting their things turned in, all these things. Um, so I feel like it's very mutual and it works both ways. It's, it's very beneficial both ways. Uh-huh. That sounds that sounds very healthy. And mm-hmm. I think in every classroom, even in the traditional classrooms, you have in every grade level um, <laughs> a, a wide variety of levels of yeah. maturity and educational prowess. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Um, yeah. And and so so, what are your strategies? I mean, you're saying let's let's keep the eighth graders playing kickball. I, yeah. I think. That, but um, I think I think we can say that every educator has that yeah. um, distinction. And so, what do you do? What what strategies do you use to keep the sixth graders from getting too old and the yeah keep the yeah. eighth graders young? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, well, first off, I want to, I do want to preface by saying that, like, I totally understand that, you know, this unique program allows me to spend, um, you know, it's a self-contained classroom. So I get to spend the whole day with these middle schoolers, which is, you know, very different from a traditional middle school model. I, I, um, I totally understand the benefit in that as a teacher that I get to have, that's how much more time I get to have to build those relationships with them. Um, And then also just the fact of like, if they're, if they stay with me, I get to, you know, loop with them for three years. So that that does not hurt (laughs) being able to build that relationship. Um, But a couple of uh, things that I do every day that I think, you know, could every educator could do um, is number one, like greeting every student in the morning. Um, so I do stand, you know, I, I try to stand at the door, greet all my students, or if I'm not standing at the door as they're coming in right now, it's a little, it's a little wonky. They have a uh, PE in the morning. That's their like first period class. So they don't technically have me right in the morning now. Um, but I am in here, you know, for my prep while they're trickling in and I try to say, good morning to each and every one of them and, and use their name so that they know, like I'm talking to them. Um, Mm -hmm. I try to do a quick check-in with every one of them every day. Um, and that's just as simple as like, just asking how they're, you know, how they're doing, how, how have things been? Are you, um, you know, just this really simple, like how, how have you been lately? Are you doing okay? Um, and then I try to find if I can find, if there's some, you know, downtime or we've caught up on things, I, I try to uh, really connect with them about things that they like and try to find some shared interests between us, you know, shared interests, hobbies, um, just talking to them about things they like, which honestly with middle schoolers is not difficult because they love to talk about <laughs> the things that they like and they love to talk about themselves. And so I've been able to find uh, that that's a good way to really connect with them. Um, and then the last thing that I, I think, uh, has really helped me to make connections with my students is our morning meetings. So again, they, it's a little wonky because they go, they go to PE in the mornings, but once they get back from that, we still have been doing a morning meeting because that's their first, uh, 
their first check-in with me is right after that first period. So we have, you know, I put a morning work up on the board, which is just like a little prompt that they do a little bit of journaling. First thing when they come in, it helps to kind of like ground them, helps them to kind of uh, relax a little bit after coming in from PE and being all, you know, energized and hyped up. They get to, to relax a little bit. And then we use that prompt that they wrote, um, that they responded to. And we do something called Around the World where, you know, I throw a little stuffed animal as a visual reminder that only the person holding that stuffed animal should be speaking. Um, <laughs> because middle schoolers still need that visual reminder. And, um, and each person gets to, you know, respond if they want to. If, if it's something that they don't feel comfortable responding to that day, that's totally fine too. But they all, if they want to, and usually they all do, want to respond to the question and they get to, and that's like our, our, our check-in as a whole class. And I feel like that has really created this sense of community in my classroom and, and the sense of trust. And that's something that all educators can do. Absolutely. I've seen uh, people do it. And now you're absolutely right. Um, you are fortunate that you get to see the same students all day long. And mm -hmm. it's not, you, you don't have to wait for bells to ring, um, yeah. I guess. Are you mm -hmm. still, are, uh, just out of curiosity, do you still hear the bells? Because you're in a regular school. Do you still hear the bells? You know, we, we used to, and they, they actually uh, turned them off for us out here at camp because they, they don't apply to us. So well, that yeah. was the season yeah. they did for us, which is really nice. Um, so we don't, so we hear them sometimes, you know, the ex exterior bells when we're out there, but not here in our actual classroom. So it's just a reminder that you're different somehow, yeah. right? <laughs> we, can, we can ignore that. Uh, yeah. I would I would find it kind of disconcerting, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, so you've got you've got uh, students who are not whose life is not run by bells. It's mm -hmm. run by uh, the, the the projects that you're talking mm -hmm. about and mm -hmm. getting the work done. And um, but um, I I hope it's not that the mornings are drudgery and the afternoons are fun. It sounds like you're you're making them all work together and making yeah. those kind of connections for the students. Right? Yes. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't, I think that, I think uh, there is definitely like one big component of our program is the, the flexibility piece, right? There's um, mm -hmm. a, a need to be able to be flexible, to be successful in the program, just because of the the nature of, you know, when we're doing projects, sometimes that project time might go a little bit over what we you know, expected or might be a little bit less time. And that's, um, that can be something that is, uh, you know, it can be a pro or a con, right? Like it's, um, mm -hmm. it's great to be able to have that flexibility, but for some students and, you know, even for some adults as well, it's like that, that not being, a super, you know, robust routine that this is what we're going to do from this time to this time and this time to this time, like what you were kind of referring to, like with the bell schedule, that can be really difficult for some people. Like some people really need a very rigid schedule and, and that's okay. And so um, we try to, you know, we try to kind of say that during our, our family interest nights too. We kind of want to make sure that people know that like there is that flexibility and if that's something that might be difficult we just want to you know let 
let students and families know about that. Um, but um, I also, yes, the, the mornings is really where they're kind of getting a lot of that more rigid routine because, you know, they go to PE in the morning, then they come here and they have the morning meeting and then we do our reading block and then we do our math groups. And so I think, um, I think what I'm seeing is that they are kind of have adapted to kind of getting like the best of both worlds. They've got like a little, you know, this really um, kind of rigid routine in the mornings and our afternoons are still pretty routine. I mean, they know they're doing project time in the afternoons, but then that kind of will change depending on, you know, we'll do project time and then a couple of days a week, we'll do social studies. A couple of days a week, we'll do science after project time. And so I think they're, they, they're really um, adaptable. They, yeah, I think it's, they, all the students I have, I know are, are a great fit for project-based learning. And so, yeah. Well, and you've got, you've got students who have chosen this, yes. this, yes. And it sounds like um, with the, the parent orientation, you've, you've told them exactly um, that I, I'm supposing in September, you might not even be able to tell them exactly what you'll be doing in April. But yeah. Um, yeah. And, and because it sounds as if a lot of it is student input, which mm-hmm. is glorious. Um, yeah. So students are learning not only by doing, but also by planning, I would mm-hmm. suppose. Mm-hmm. And um, that goes back to those 21st century skills. Um, mm-hmm. So so let's talk about um, the more traditional classrooms again. Um, yeah. The people, the... Um, elementary school teachers who have the students all day long. Mm -hmm. So they do know them for the entire year. Um, And um, they can make connections Mm -hmm. kind of as you've suggested. Mm -hmm. Um, And even the um, middle school teachers can too. Uh, I know lots of middle schools and high schools where People, when they graduate, um, goodness, I've gone to a couple of high school graduations where they have um, cheered their freshman teacher, you know, yeah. uh, stayed with them. Yeah. So uh, I, I think we have an awful lot of educators here in Oregon who are sort of doing what you're doing, mm-hmm. just in a more traditional network. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the students. What does this do for the students? Making all these connections for them, what does that do for their learning process? Um, I think that when a student has a strong connection with, you know, at least one adult um, and, you know, a teacher or teachers and connections with their peers, I think that they they feel safe, right? And so... Mm-hmm. Um, and then they they have trust that their their voice will be heard, that they can you know come to that adult and and talk to them about whether that be you know academics or social stuff, or they just need some help with something going on in their lives. And what I have seen with some of my students uh, who maybe you know need a little extra help in any of those areas, and have that I've been able to build that trust with and that really good relationship with is that once they have felt that safety component, that they are then able to learn better, that they are more engaged in class. They're more engaged and focused during math groups, right? That they, um, they want to like, 
it seem I don't want to say like they want to do the work because I, I think all students want to do the work. But sometimes, you know, if you are going home and things at home aren't so great, you maybe you just really cannot do the work. And so um, I think having that at least one adult that you trust at school to be there for you in that way um, is just, it's so important. It's, uh, I think it's the most important thing. I think so that we're teaching uh, not just students, Mm -hmm. but individuals, people, and their their whole self. this, this has been wonderful. You've given us a lot to think about. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us that we haven't discussed yet? I don't think so. Um, I, I'm just really thankful that I've gotten to share with you guys a little bit about our program, but I also know what it's, you know, I, I, I taught second grade. I loved it, <laughs> but I, um, and I know, you know, like you said that, making these connections is still very possible in really any classroom setting. Um, and it's, it's not easy work, but it's so worth it. I, I think so. I think so. So thanks, Jaylene. You've, you've given us an awful lot to think about for our own classrooms and the, uh, the connections that we want to make with our students that we are making with our students and also the connections we want to encourage among our students and between the grade levels and between the subjects. Um, It seems like everything is healthier when it's all connected and we see things as a whole rather than small, discrete parts. Mm -hmm. Um, So thank you. And um, of course, we have to thank our listeners for tuning in to OEA Grow each week. We talk about different ways connections can help us as educators. Thank you so much for being with us. For more OEA professional learning opportunities, visit grow.oregonad.org.